I want to uh, just continue just to remind you about these processes. Uh, we talked about salvation, and remember these things are not just instantaneous, they're processes. They're not done just because one day you got born again. So it's salvation, and it's justification, and it's, of course, adoption and sanctification, impartation, referring to the things of the Spirit. We're going to deal also with redemption, and then we're going to finish with glorification. Now, I was just minding my own business sitting over here worshiping the Lord like you were today, and aren't you glad for the presence of the Holy Ghost? Say it with me. I thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, when you've been here a while and you know how God says things to you and speaks things to you, and you can remember if something has happened before or not, but I have never exactly heard something just like I heard today by the Spirit. But the Lord was saying that by the time we get to emphasizing the process of glorification, God's going to invade this house and your house like never before. And um, I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? Whatever he wants to do. And uh, it, it just uh, it tells me that there's a foundation that he wants to, to lay in your hearts to encourage you to receive all that he has for you, all of his gifts, and have faith for all of these things progressing all the way through your life until that day he either raptures us or takes us home. I want you to be encouraged that uh, if you think he's going to leave Callaway County out of the move of God, you're nuts. Amen. He's, he's got plans for us, doesn't he, church? So how many can put your faith in agreement with that? Each we go from each one, salvation, to dealing with justification, to dealing with adoption and forward. You just let your faith grow and grow and your expectation grow and grow more. And getting in agreement with what God is saying that by the time we get to that uh, last part, talking about God's manifested presence, power, amen, and goodness, that's what we're going to see, God's manifested presence and power and goodness. So let me just go back to uh, what we have today, and we're going to talk to you about justification. What I want to do is just three things. I want to uh, share with you what the Scripture says about this concept of justification. I want to make sure, number two, that I define it for you. Then I'm going to, uh, number three, show you uh, how this spiritual process transforms your life, what it actually does today. So uh, each one of these, it's important you understand what the Word says about it. Not a theology book. You know, my first systematic theology book was that thick, and it was in a type of about six to eight point, if you can believe that. And when I looked at it, I thought, what were these people thinking? Because if they hadn't done that, it probably would have been three or four in terms of a series. And I thought, oh my goodness, i got to read this to take a test on this. This is nuts. Um, it's fine and dandy that somebody has made a systematic theology or written theology books, but the Word of God is first place and the final authority. And you need to understand what the Word says about this important concept of justification. Now turn to your name and say, if you're not happy now, you're about to split your side with joy before you leave here today. Amen. So let's dive into this today. I want to start over in the book of Romans. We'll have several scriptures there if you want to follow along. Now I'm in chapter 3. And I'm going to start with uh, verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified. Say that we justified. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now catch this. All the way back to what we talked about and heard today about Cain, to the, present, to the day when Jesus went upon that cross, all that sin had never been paid for. You say, what about the uh, you know, sacrificial system with animals? That was covering the sin, protecting the people from utter destruction because of their behavior. But there's never been justice because of what has happened. Nor was there justice for the sins from the time of Christ all the way through the end of time. That had not been done yet and was being uh, taken care of in Jesus on that cross. It says, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, listen very carefully before I move forward in these scriptures. 
We talk about God's character as having different facets or different dimensions. And God's character, we know that God is love. Aren't you glad for that? We know that He is merciful. We know that He is kind. We know that He is righteous. We have to understand this. He's also just. You and I may not think it's a big deal if justice isn't served. And I'm not talking about the kind that man can dole out. There's a man this past week was recently released from jail. He spent, I believe, 21 years in jail or more for a crime that not only did he not commit, listen to this, not only did he not commit the crime, now they say the crime never took place. Now they can give him millions of dollars and they should, but it will never serve justice because man is incapable of really being just. But God, on the other hand, that's his very nature. So when I talk to you today about what God has done to make you just, it's time for you to accept and believe what he has saying about this and live this out with confidence in him and joy. Amen. Romans 4, just a little bit further in your page there. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? And it, in fact, Abraham was justified by works. He had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does Scripture say? Isn't that a marvelous line? <laughs> you know, so-and-so says this, and so-and-so thinks that, and they think that, and they've got that doctrine, and they've got YouTube channel over here, but what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Say justifies the ungodly. Then Romans 8 tells you a little bit more about God's heart for these processes in verse 29. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to His image of His Son, that it might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also what? Glorified. God's working on you. Come on, say, God's still working on me. <laughs> and he's working on you too. What's necessary here is for me to pause and explain to you that you're not sitting here today because God somehow predestined only you because you're special to be here today. Understand that the pathway of salvation is predestined. God in his all-knowing nature knows exactly who's going to respond to him and who is not. That's how you understand this. This concept is he predestined a pathway, and that pathway is made up of just one name. Didn't complicate it, did he, church? I said he didn't complicate it, did he? Just one name. So this idea that uh, God's going to call some to come and some not to come, no, it's based on everybody responding to his predestined pathway, accepting Christ or not accepting Christ. Say it with me. I'm walking with God. I've accepted Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Glory to God. So it's important to understand this, that uh, everybody in this room can make the decision to engage these processes. There's not a person in this room that has to walk out of here without the knowledge of knowing you're saved. And not just saved, but justified. Amen. Galatians 3.24 as the law was our guardian or mentor or teacher until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Say it with me, justified, justified. By, faith. by faith. Aren't you glad it's not by works? Amen. In Acts 3.19, this is a scripture you'll hear a lot about. Repent then and turn to God. There is no salvation, friend. There is no justification without repentance. I'm going to say that again. There is no salvation. There is no justification without repentance. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I want you to shout that out. Wiped out. Come on, say it. Wiped out. Wiped out. Repent, turn to him, so that your sins may be wiped out, and times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Now notice this. This is prophetic for us. It was prophetic in their day. Repentance, then turning to God, 
the wiping away of sins, times of refreshing, and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should you want times of refreshing? Because it signals something going to happen after times of refreshing. The, the appearing of your Lord and Savior. Amen. But this is all predicated upon you and I doing what? Having our sins wiped out. How's that happen? By turning to God through repentance. Repentance is a wonderful thing. It's a gift of God. Now I want you to uh, make some notes about this in terms of what does this term mean. Justification was originally a technical legal term derived from the verb to make someone righteous. You didn't do enough good to earn righteous. To justify is for someone in authority to stamp on your forehead righteous. That's the concept of justification. Uh, you don't earn it. You don't do enough good works. You're not a nice enough person. You don't win enough souls, don't go to enough church services. Are you here today? Lay your hands on enough people and get them healed to be just. It is, in fact, the instantaneous impartation of righteousness and the continuing process of becoming righteousness-minded to believe you've been made righteous and letting that force operate in your life. Well, watch this. The day you give your life to Christ, I mean, that's a wonderful day. Amen. That day you were imparted righteousness as a gift. But you and I know that just because we receive something on the day of salvation doesn't mean that our mind is renewed to understand, appreciate, or walk in that righteousness. That's where the process of righteousness, the process of justification comes in. In justification, somebody has made you righteous. In other words, something that was not righteous was made a certain way. And that God that we serve, that you love, that I love, has made you by his own sovereignty righteous through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not a bunch of works, not a bunch of activities. Listen carefully. You're made righteous how? By accepting Christ as your atoning sacrifice for sin. But unlike the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament that only cover the sin year to year, when the blood of Jesus hit your sin, it obliterated your sin. Your record is completely expunged. Now, if you're in this room and you were a little devil growing up and you got a, a you know, juvenile record somewhere, you don't have to raise your hand. If you were a nice little boy or girl, eventually you got that record expunged. And now you are free. There is no record of your sin in the books of heaven. And not only is there no record in heaven of your sins committed in the past, there are no record of your sins in the future in heaven. Your record has been expunged. Your sin is not just covered to prevent wrath. Your sins don't exist anymore and if you continue to live your life as if you're a sinner, just saved by grace, listen, instead of a righteous person made righteous by God, then you're living far below your privileges and the enemy is dominating your life instead of you putting him under your feet where he belongs. Come on, say it. My record in heaven has been expunged. Oh, surely not the really big things, especially the big things. Amen. I was in first grade. I was a teacher's pet. <laughs> Teacher was named Mrs. Violet, and I could do no wrong. So little sins like when I stuck a tack in, uh, <laughs> and I blamed it on that Christmas song. I stuck a tack in <laughs> someone's chair. Somebody snitched on me. I did that, and Andy or Andrea sat down on that tack and had a reaction. <laughs> when I'm told Miss Violet what I did, and I, or did you do that? <laughs> and I said, yeah. She goes, don't do it again. <laughs> Amen. Do you know what in God's eyes today? You can do no wrong. 
when you do wrong, you repent of it and walk in holiness. But we're talking about how God sees you. My goal today, and it's not about God, listen, you know, trying to talk God into looking at us as if we're righteous. The goal today is to get you to start seeing yourself as he sees you. And he sees you as righteous. Now, if you had even a first grade teaching on justification, you know in your heart it means just as if I never sinned. That's positionally true. It's theologically true. It's biblically true. You know it in your heart. That's how he sees you. But do you see yourself the way he sees you? That's where the process of justification comes in. The renewing the mind to the reality of the gift that he gave you in Christ. It's so critical because it does so many powerful things in our lives. We don't want to be saved and locked up by all the sin and the failure in our lives when he sees us now as righteous. Come on, shout it like you believe it. My record is expunged in Jesus' name. You say, so what do I recommend? I recommend you stop the devil from bringing it up to you again. And I also recommend as Christians, you stop throwing things up to others. Because if your record is expunged and they're Christian, so is theirs. And if their record is expunged in the mind of God, somebody else's record where you have been hurt by them, you should expunge their record as well. And I'm preaching a lot better than you are shouting right now. That's the challenge. That's the process. If he expunged my record, now I am obligated to expunge the record of everyone who has ever harmed me, hurt me, stabbed me in the back. It doesn't matter. Their record should be expunged as well. And when you think about it, it's still a pretty good deal. Justification, to be just. To be righteous, to be made righteous. Justification is when God says you are righteous with what Christ did. Now you have the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without any sense of shame, guilt, inferiority, or doubt. You can stand boldly in his presence because of the way he sees you. Is that a big deal? Yeah, when you remember that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would have ropes tied around him in case something went wrong in there. What went wrong in there would be dishonor, doing something you know inappropriate, handling something in an ungodly way. And they would just pull him out. There's no fear of that between you and the Lord. Your record expunged the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God. Say it with me, the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of shame, condemnation, inferiority, or guilt. Now that's a gift. And let's say that you blew it long ago. Let's say you blew it a month ago. Has anybody here ever blown it after you got saved? How many blew it big time after you got saved? And let's just say we're talking about God's impartation to you of justification, declaring you righteous. And yet even today, you still walk around with the guilt and the pain of that, even though you have confessed it, you have repented of that, you have put it under the blood and it still bothers you. What is that, Pastor? That means you need to go further in the process of justification. Do you remember and believe what God has said about you? Because your sins that were paid with such a high price should not be dogging you today. Well, I deserve them to dog me. You're missing the point. You think by you being dogged and walking around in guilt and shame is going to pay for your sin. It's not going to pay for your sin. Your sin's already been paid for. You don't qualify. He's the only one that qualified for the job. Are you with me today? Just like we've never sinned. Not covered, fully remitted. To be declared right is what it means. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. He took our sin and put on us his values, his holiness, his standing with God. Listen to this carefully and see if you can't help but rejoice. You now have the same standing with God that Jesus has. 
Oh, I can't go there. Now, see, that's a little religion trying to percolate up in your heart there. You don't have righteousness. The only righteousness you have is of Jesus. So if he's in right standing with God the Father, then you're in right standing with God the Father as he is with the same righteousness that he has given you today. How does God view you? The same way he views his son. I'm going to try that one more time. I may, I may try it five more times. You now have the same standing with our Heavenly Father that His Son Jesus has. Amen. You want to know why? Because there's only one type of right standing. Listen to this in Romans 5, 18 and 19. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. Adam made us all sinners. Jesus made us all righteous. Hallelujah. So, Pastor, why can this be, how can this possibly be just? How can this possibly be right? I don't deserve it. You're right. I couldn't earn it. That's correct. How could this be just? It's just because of the price that was paid for us. Imagine today I had up here two huge legal scales. You've seen those in pictures. There's one on the uh, image we sent out this week in the E! News. And then over here is a dish, and over here is a dish. And put all the sin, say all the sin. All the sin of all mankind that have ever lived or ever will live on this one side. And see how heavy and weighted that is. What could possibly go on the other side to bring justice to this situation? Only one thing will go on that scale and bring it to balance, to bring justice. And that's the blood of Jesus. In an odd way, you and I are dishonoring the blood when we won't walk out that righteousness. We refuse to say that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We let other people talk us out of that high place and standing he has given us as a gift. And when we back out of the process, instead of becoming more like-minded in terms of righteousness, losing that sin consciousness and cultivating a what? A righteousness mentality. In a way, it's really dishonorable towards that blood. What sets the scale in balance? What brings parity to justice? What Jesus did on the cross took all the sin, all the sickness, all the disease, all the oppression, all the bondage, everything at one time on his life, on his back for you and for me, and yet he never did any of it. How many humans would have to die to fill that other side of the scale? It's not possible. But one sin the spotless Lamb of God did for you and for me. And that's why I'm telling you, absolutely enjoy your salvation but also enjoy the fact that he has called you and made you righteous. That's what justification is all about. Say it boldly. I have been made. I have been, made. I have been declared, I have been declared righteous, righteous in God's eyes. That's something that the devil will never have. Amen. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How would you honor, think about this, let's say that you, you recently go to the doctor and you've got two kidneys, and one's already failed or been removed to trauma or whatever, or disease, and you've got one kidney and it's failing. And let's say that they find in your family or in your friendship network or coworkers somebody that is a match. And that person sits on that operating table next to you and they take that kidney and they plant it into you and add years to your life. How thankful would you be? Imagine if you would that, uh, you know, somebody's liver is failing, cancer or disease or even some kind of, you know, issue of life controlling problem and they need somebody to give them a lobe of their liver and, you know, 
it just so happens there's a match for you. How thankful would you be to receive that liver? If someone died in a car accident and you were needing a full heart transplant, you wouldn't be grateful for the person dying. But how grateful would you be that that heart was available and put inside of you? Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't do kidneys or livers or hearts. He did the whole totality of your life. That's how thankful you should be. And not just you, but everybody in this room. Not just you, but everybody who's ever walked on or ever will walk on the planet. Amen. And God calls it just. So therefore, guess what? It is just. The process of justification is not about getting God to see us as righteous, but God trying to get us to see ourselves as righteous. Justice is a fundamental aspect of God's nature and character. It's a big deal for him to call you righteous. What do we call it if God says something and we don't take it into the core of our being, we don't believe it? We think he's lying. But God is not a man that he should lie. If he said justice has been served and you're righteous, then guess what? Say it would be, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My record has been expunged, fully remitted, fully paid for. I can stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of guilt or shame or condemnation or inferiority. And God wants that revelation to grow in you more and more and more because it transforms us into his image. <laughs> Kelly will remember this, but there's a, uh, a time in Hopkinsville that we did what we call an illustrated sermon. And this one was actually called The Trial. And uh, the trial had several players in it. There was... Uh, a defendant who was on trial for their life, and they all thought it would be a good idea for the pastor to play that part. <laughs> so I was conscripted. <laughs> and then there was a prosecutor representing Satan, and there was a, the Holy Spirit who was dressed all in white who actually came in with a live dove that a friend of his had entrusted to his care. And um, there was a person who played the father. And the father actually sat on top of a uh, you know, commercial construction lift and we built a box around it and it looked like a, a judge's desk with gavel and everything. And so what's supposed to happen is this guy that uh, represents the devil, the prosecutor, he's supposed to give me the fifth degree and keys me of everything and then some. And I learned something that day. Uh, the man that played that part, the prosecutor, was a man named Ron McNeil, and he was part of fifth group at Fort Campbell Special Forces. Don't ever let somebody from Special Forces play the devil. Because <laughs> it was just too real. Am I right about it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he was mad at me because the preacher wants some equal time or what, but boy, he really came at me. And then all of a sudden, at that point, when he's done doing what he's supposed to do, and I feel like crawling underneath a pew, here comes the guy dressed all in white with a white dove in his hand. As he walks into the door, he releases the dove. And this is supposed to be symbolic of conviction and peace and God doing a work in our heart when we have them because we are, in fact, wrong, aren't we, church? And um, that dove flew around a little bit. Don't be disturbed, but there's a sparrow in here somewhere today. I thought that was more than ironic. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, this dove sat on, when it got done flying, on a little rim. And the rim were actually whiskey barrel rims. This church at one point in time took the rims and took glass balls and made lights out of them over in Hopkinsville. And the bird just, just sat there very politely the rest of the service. And so what's supposed to happen now is Jesus comes in and he presents his blood to the Father. And with great sound and lights and theatrics, this lift then rises up. It's got a little skirt on it. It rises up with smoke and with lots of thunder, whatever. And this man on top of the box playing God is really supposed to just have one line. He's supposed, after Jesus presents his blood on my behalf, he's supposed to slam the gavel down and say, not guilty. 
of everything that Special Forces guy just accused me of. And uh, so the lights come on and the box rises with great theatrics and he's about to say his line and this man looks up where that bird is and underneath that bird there's like blank seats everywhere. People had moved. <laughs> big hole. It's packed out big hole right there. And these words came out of his mouth instead. Behold the dove. This guy was a Vietnam vet, amen? <laughs> I think it was Navy, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what he's supposed to do is slam down the gavel and say what? Not guilty. What does the Father say about you and me? The devil came in to accuse the brethren. Jesus presented his blood. And once the blood has been presented, you're not guilty. Come on, shout out, I'm not Guilty. Say it again, I am not, I am not guilty. guilty. Church growth expert Terry Lewis, who is also a friend of ours, came in and he did a church growth seminar for us over in Hopkinsville one time. And uh, he, uh, we're coming down the, the, the road and to make a right turn out there in the country. It's more developed now than it was. And he noticed that on the left-hand side of the road is this cow, and the cow was dead, and the cow was literally on all fours, just like this on its back. And he just looked over there and he just laughed, you know, rural America, rural Kentucky, and he went on. Then he gets into the session, he starts talking about those lights. He goes, he goes, who is, uh, who is the genius who built those, those lights? He goes, what was the inspiration for that? The movie Cocoon? <laughs> and he would just go off and riff on us like that. And he said, um, he said, no, uh, about signage, how do people know how to get out to your church? What do you do? Tell them to take a right turn at the dead cow? <laughs> Everybody say, behold. The dove. Interesting times. But what do I like about that little illustrated sermon of drama is the fact that God declares us not guilty to everything we have done or ever will do. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Say it with me. I am, I am not, not guilty. guilty. Turn to somebody and tell them you are, you are not, not guilty. guilty. If you've accepted the Lord, raise your hand if you've accepted Him. Raise it up high and say, it, "Not guilty." Not guilty. Can you imagine somebody being on trial for murder and declared not guilty and said, "You know what? I'm going to go ahead and go to jail anyway." Would that not be crazy? You'd be amazed how many Christians in their head they know they're not guilty, but they're still in a jail cell somewhere. And Lord loves to spring you from that today because the jail of your thinking that's wrong, you need your mind renewed to what he actually said you were. You know, Malachi 3.18, the Bible says, and you will see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. There is a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. And this is what righteousness will do for you. Say it with me. I have been given the gift of righteousness. I've been made righteous in Jesus' name. Write these down and this will help you. One is confidence we're right with God. Confidence that we are right with God. Acts 13, 39, everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Raise your hand if you believe in him. Then you have been made right. Not through your efforts, not through your church attendance, not through your service, not through the exercise of your gifts, but what Jesus did. If you believe on the one he sent, you've been made right. Isn't that incredibly great to know, especially as crazy as this world is? Amen. Crazy stuff. This, uh, this thing our government shot down, uh, I think it was over Alaska, they said it had no means of propulsion. It was not attached, no balloon attached, it had no wings, had no afterburners, and it was shot down by an eyewitness military with no means of propulsion. This is a pretty good time to get right with God. Signs in the heavens shouldn't surprise us. Weird things going on. What would be weird is for people to see all this nonsense going on and not repent. Amen. Strange times. But aren't you glad you know? Come on, say, I know that I know that I know. I'm saved and I am justified. He calls me righteous.
Number two, that a righteousness mentality will change your motives, thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. It'll change your motives, why you do things, your thoughts, those loops in your mind, your attitude, your outlook on life, the words you say, and the actions that you take. I think it was Penelope Cruz, and I just, uh, just posted this video because I saw it, and I thought it was so outstanding. I don't even know who she was talking to in the video. I don't know if it was part of a, a, a uh, you know, part she was playing in a movie. I don't have any idea. I don't, I'm not familiar with her. But she said these words. She said, you know, I could say some horrible things to you, you know, in my language, basically she was saying. And you wouldn't understand the word I'm saying. I'm insulting you with my mouth. But because you don't speak the language, you could just laugh because you don't know. She said, because you're the one that gives meaning to what is said. It's the same thing with our life. You know, if somebody says something to us that counters the word of God, we don't have to give meaning to it. We can allow it to fall to the ground and to bear no fruit in Jesus' name. What happens when you become the righteous of God in Christ through his atoning sacrifice, it, it changes every dimension, why you do things and your thought processes and the, the thoughts you have, the words you say, the things that you do, it transforms you. Listen to this from 1 John 3, 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Amen. The one who does righteous is? That's the force. That's the power. Change is made. Sin consciousness, therefore, gives way to righteousness mentality. Do you know that if you think more about sin, you'll sin more? And if you think righteousness, you'll walk out that righteousness in a thing called applied righteousness, which is holiness. When you're in bondage to this, you think you're just a terrible reprobate sinner, barely skating through, that you'll be prone to do more, not less, that violates the word of God. But a righteousness consciousness leads you and pushes you to do what is right. Say it with me. He's changing me. Well, he's changing me. Number three, peace and rest. When you're walking in that justification, when the process is working, there's peace and rest in your life. This is from Isaiah 32, 14 through 20. The fortress will be abandoned. The noisy city deserted. The citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys a pasture for flocks till the spirit is poured out from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert is righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. The effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Say it with me. Peace. peace. Listen to this and take it as your own. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. Yes. Come on, say righteousness. Produces peace. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. The effect, quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Though hail flattens the force and the city is level completely, how blessed you will be. Sowing your seed by every stream and letting your cattle and donkeys roam free. There's one way for the world and there's one way for the child of God. Amen. Peace. I promise you this, you get a hold of the revelation that God has made you righteous and peace will begin to flood and surround you and move in your life like a river. Number next is, the, what is this, four? four? Discernment. Does anybody know we need discernment? Yes. Discernment about what you're hearing from the pulpit. Discernment about what you're reading. Discernment about what's going on in the news media. Discernment about the world events. The ability to discern between good and evil. We live in a time now where they call evil good and good evil. I was telling the church on Wednesday night that, you know, and my staff, you hear weird things going out there that people are promoting is, is what's, what's really important in the church and what's really important today in terms of theology. And I couldn't believe my ears when I heard this guy waxing elephant and how it's such a sin for men to have facial hair of the church. And the more he preached, the more amens he got. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's what really matters. And I began to think when he said, there's more people with beards inside the church than outside the church. And he just kept going. They kept yelling and screaming and clapping and having a great old time. I thought, yeah, that's what matters. And some of you with beards right now are feeling lonely. <laughs> well, let me assure you, we do not believe that. I think preaching salvation, I believe preaching justification is far more important than whether you have facial hair 
And for the record, some of you ladies have whiskers. Who cares? We got real problems. We got moral bankruptcy at every level. In every gate of our country right now, there is depravity. I've had the greatest respect, for example, of the Barnes Jewish Children's Hospital System in St. Louis and Washington University, where they train some of the best medicine, medical practitioners and doctors in the world. And yet this past week, the school leaders found out that someone in children's, a children's hospital were giving kids puberty blockers without parental permission. They're out there. I said they're out there. They weren't happy about it, but somebody produced the culture that allowed that to happen. In at least one case, the child said, I don't want them, and they forced them to have them anyway. It's no longer medicine and science even driving our medicine. It's politics at a depraved, satanic, Baal-worshipping culture that is driving what's going on. I don't care how long your beard is and you're in good company. Elijah had one. Elijah had one. Moses had one. Jesus had one. Paul had one. Sometimes I have patches. But how's your heart? How's your revelation of salvation? How's your revelation of righteousness? Beer does not make you righteous. Blood, not beer, maketh thee righteous. Amen. It's the blood that made you righteous. It's out far. It's out there. It's not in our town. It is in our town. We have radicals being elected to local school boards. We have people that are doing things, exposing children to in this town. You wouldn't believe it's time to rise up and put away the things that don't matter and get back to what does matter. Amen. His word, his spirit, his blood, getting people saved. That's the only hope for this nation. But if you think about it, it's not the school district's responsibility to lead your child. It's not that teacher's responsibility. It's not even the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility. We as parents and grandparents got to be more intentional than we have ever been to protect them and sow them the good things of God that will protect them and lead them on the right path as they go forward. Regardless of everything else. Just craziness. Amen. Everybody look over at Steve and say that he can keep his beard. Yes, he can. <laughs> and Bryce can keep his beard. He walked in here one day completely clean shaven. I thought he was his twin brother, Bruce. I didn't know. <laughs> and that's just the tip of the iceberg of the foolishness that is out there. Listen to what Hebrews 5 says we should be focused on. Anyone who lives on milk still being an infant is not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. Check this out. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The more you train yourself and renew your mind to righteousness, listen carefully, the more discernment you're going to have. It's not enough to have God see you as righteous. You have to see yourself as righteous. And as you do, as that process continues, you develop more and more discernment. You can hear something and say, no, that's not God. You can see something and say, that's not God. You can see and say, that's off. I'm not going to swallow that in Jesus' name. Righteousness will produce discernment in your life. Number five, boldness. We need to be bolder than we've ever been before. Yep. It's time for the mealy-mouthed Christian to step aside yes. and the bold Christian to step up. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. Why? Because there's fear there. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. The more you cultivate righteousness mentality, the bolder you're going to be. And that doesn't mean to be obnoxious and offensive. But there are times when you and I are silent, we should speak up. There are times when you and I speak up, we should have been quiet. 
But a lot of opportunities are being missed. And part of it is we have not cultivated this revelation of righteousness. And so when the time comes, who are we to say anything? Who are we to pray for somebody? Who are we to, to you know, speak the truth in love? We're just, we're just people no good. You know, we're no good sinners. No, that's not what you are. You are saints according to the word of God. Amen. And when that revelation hits you, then you become bold. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a house where I saw bold people in operation. My mother is bold if she's not anything else. <laughs> I was about... I was about six, five, six, seven years old, and we're driving down Highway 13, you know, just uh, west of Harrisburg, coming into Marion, Illinois, by the swimming pool complex where we spent a lot of time at, and a sheriff's deputy ran her off the road. I'm sitting over in the passenger side. And she looks at me, can you believe that? And I thought, yeah, and I can believe what's coming to you right now. <laughs> Even at five, six years old, I already knew she was bold. You say, what did she do? She got in her car and pulled him over. She, I'm thinking now, she gets arrested and dad's on a business trip. What happens to me right now? <laughs> but he was like, he was like, yes, ma'am. You're right, ma'am. Absolutely, ma'am. Yeah. Everybody say bold. bold. Bold to do what? Bold to stand up for what is? Right. We were uh, taking our first full-time ministry position in Savannah, Georgia, and they wanted to help us out with some housing items and some furniture and things because we basically had nothing. And um, so mom goes to Walmart with Kelly, and they buy some things, and the lady there won't take her check. And uh, back then, how many of you know Walmart would take a check? Do you all remember you could actually take things back to Walmart? Do you all remember when they had humans working at Walmart? <laughs> Machines going down the aisle and, you know. And uh, she looks at the clerk and goes, uh, I'm just going to have to tell Sam. <laughs> Walton. <laughs> and her eyes about bug out of her head. She goes, you know Sam. And mom goes, doesn't everybody? <laughs> they took her check. I watched my sister get born again, spirit-filled, on fire for God, and I observed some things in her life. Everybody say boldness. Come on, say boldness. I was uh, taking her to the airport in St. Louis, and she was standing in line, and I was off to the side over here, and there was probably four or five people in front of her, and one gentleman in particular in front of her, and all of a sudden, you know that bony finger she has? She taps him in the back like that. Can't even see his face. Hadn't seen his face. He goes, yeah, can I help you? You know, he's real frustrated because he wants to get on the plane or whatever. And my sister, just like this, goes, you have a drug addiction. In fact, your drug of choice is cocaine. And if you repent, the Lord will deliver you right now from that drug addiction. I thought, here we go. <laughs> then I thought, okay, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And what I saw happen was this man began to well up with tears and cry like a baby in the middle of the airport. Because somebody was bold enough and had enough love to talk to a total stranger about the condition of his life. One of the reasons Christians are intimidated and fearful and don't want to do that is because the boldness is absent because the righteousness consciousness has not been developed yet. This is number six. Number six, the authority to reign in life and power to reign in life. Say it, reign in life. Amen. Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of one man, death reign through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. That gift of righteousness, that justification causes you and me to reign over circumstances, not be reigned over circumstances. You hear what I'm saying? Not being ruled by them, not being put underfoot by those things. You're supposed to rule and reign. Yes. People with an understanding of their righteousness that God gave them, they rule when things come after them. They know who they are. Amen. They understand they have binding and loosing power. 
They don't let everything to come into their lives. They resist and they flee. They don't let the devil tell them they're, they're nothing. They'll never be anything. They're somehow washed up. They've, they've not, you know, somehow made the mark and somebody else is better than they can. No, they go ahead and believe what God says about them. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what happens in this circumstance is you begin to rule and reign over life. So when something happens, you don't let it defeat you. Amen. You have a loss? No, you rule and reign over that loss. You have some kind of sickness or disease you're battling, you rule and reign over that. You're dealing with poverty or lack or things that aren't going right in terms of finances, you rule and reign over that. Amen. Somebody treating you ugly, you rule and reign over that. You don't let it get on the inside of you. God never intended for you to be ruled over by this world or by the evil one. Righteousness, this justification, this gift of righteousness causes us to rule and reign over every circumstance. You know, you live in a world where Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not that you're not going to see challenges to your faith and challenges to your life, challenges to the things you believe, but you have been given the ability to rule and reign over them. In fact, the Bible calls you more than conquerors. Say, I am more than a conqueror. Through him who loves me. Amen. You're going to have confidence you're right with God. You're going to have changes in your motives, thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. You're going to have peace and rest. You're going to have discernment. You're going to have boldness. You're going to have authority to reign and rule in life. And last, you're going to have effectiveness in prayer. Yes. There is a prayer that's made by a person who thinks they're the scum of the earth. And there is a prayer by a person who knows they're the righteousness of God in Christ. And they're different in efficacy. They're different in the ability to get results. James 5, 16, confess to one another. Therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Say it with me. The prayer of the righteous releases great power. Your effectiveness in your everyday prayer life goes way up because your righteousness mentality has been developed. You don't go around saying, I'm so unworthy. Why would God do that for me? I'm just so unworthy. Years ago, Brother Osteen was doing a meeting in, in Houston, Humble, Texas, and they were going to have you know, multiple speakers and lots of other preachers got involved in this, and they kind of held hands at the start of the meeting like this, and he asked a certain brother to pray, and he prayed, Oh, Lord, you know that we're just sorry sinners, weak worms of the dust, we're black-hearted sinners. And he went on and on with this trope about how horrible we are. And Osteen said, Well, first of all, I wanted to stop the prayer, but second, I wanted to know if I need to get the guy saved. <laughs> Here is a preacher... And he knows nothing about who he really is in Christ. Amen. Now you can thank God that he took you from the realms and the clutches of sin. But don't celebrate the sin. Celebrate the righteousness that he gave you. Take with me. I have been made the righteousness in Christ. In this season, in this day, the Lord needs people fully living out their justification. Amen. Not guilty. Lift the hand and say, not guilty here. Say it like you mean it, dog. Not guilty. Come on, stand if you can give him a hand clap and shout it out. Not guilty. Not guilty. 